And when this reaches a certain point, then the body just goes back to what it was. It just returns to the earth. So this is what happens when the body ends, when it deteriorates. This is the nature of sankharas, to be this way. And this is a dhamma, this is the truth of things. And because the Buddha, he taught us this, that these bodies, really that all physical things and all mental phenomena, they're all unstable, changing. They're all stressful and suffering. They're all not self. They're of the nature to be this way. And so when we have this nature of deterioration, of ending, of finishing, that things are mortal, but we don't study that, we don't contemplate that, we don't get to know it, then negligence and heedlessness can arise. We can become heedless within our age, within our youth, thinking that we're not yet old yet, so we don't need to practice. Thinking that we're still a child, so I don't need to practice these teachings. But old age, sickness and death, it doesn't discriminate between adults and children. It doesn't choose between these. So sankharas, they have both, in terms of material sankharas, there's the materials which are sentient, which have um, some spirit or jitta within them. And there's also non-sentient things, such as the dharma halls or trees, mountains, rivers, for example. And all of these things, whether sentient or not, they all decay constantly as a part of their nature. This body is the same to be that way. And this body does have a mind which is within it. And it too decays. The cells decay. And so we study this. The sciences and the knowledges that we learn at school, university, But we also need to gain a new kind of knowledge as well. And this is a knowledge, this is a subject, a science, which we really should know, that it's appropriate for everyone to know this. Because if we don't study this, then the heart will never reach freedom from suffering. And so do we see, there's this noble truth of suffering, this Arya Satcha of Dukkha. And this is a noble truth. The first truth that the Buddha taught, that of old age, sickness and death, this is Dukkha. And so the Buddha, he discovered this. He discovered about this Dukkha, the stress, the suffering, the state of the body and mind when they're ill at ease, that this is Dukkha. A separation from the things that we like and we love, this is Dukkha. So for us people, that we're born into the world, we have houses here, and we get all kinds of wealth through much ardour, much effort and difficulty. But this is external wealth that we gain. And this external wealth is still subject to danger, still subject to being lost. So even if we live on a hill, for example, we may be freed from the danger of the tides or the sea um, rising and destroying our wealth. But we're not freed 
from flooding, fresh water flooding, that it's still possible for that to happen. And so there are many dangers, many kind of natural disasters um, in this world, fires and floods and earthquakes. And so any wealth that we gain externally, it's not safe from these things. But we think that when we get that, then we will be happy, we'll be very joyful, and initially we do feel that way. But we don't study that one day I'm going to be separated from this, aren't I? One day this wealth is going to have to go away. One day it's going to have to deteriorate. That it has danger that it's subject to, doesn't it? So we don't see that. We don't see that this wealth is subject to these disasters, to these dangers. We don't contemplate this. So when we have the opportunity, we should get to know this. And we should try to prepare our minds. Because if we don't use this opportunity to contemplate these things, to reflect upon them, then when danger arises, we won't be able to set our minds, to steady our minds in time. Because we haven't learned before, we haven't contemplated before, that these things are normal. That all of the things that we gain from this world, they all deteriorate, they all come to an end that the material, external things are this way, or the people we're with, that we have to be separated from all of them, whether they're children that we have, or parents, siblings, friends. And that's what the Buddha taught. We had to be separated from all of these things, that that's just normal for me. And so separation is something that's just a normal part of our lives in this way. We see that old age, sickness and death, separation, that these things are normal. But when the mind receives them, and we don't want them, then suffering will arise. We experience this change, being separated. But we want for things to just be like they were before. We want for them to never change. And that's simply impossible. Because this world is a world of change. It's a world of stress. It's a world of not-self. And if we study this world well, then we'll get to know what it's like in line with its truth. And when we know that, then the mind won't suffer. So ever since we were children, we have read many things, we have studied many subjects at school and gained a certain kind of knowledge. We finished our studies in high school and then maybe have gone on to get a bachelor's degree or a master's or a doctorate. And we can get these in many different subjects, these academic subjects. And once we get this knowledge, then we use it in order to make our way in the world, in order to work. And this is something that's necessary because having been born as a human, we have bodies. And these bodies require food and shelter and clothing and medicine, these requisites, they rely upon them. And if we don't have knowledge, then it's very hard for us to find wealth and money. So we need to study in order to gain this knowledge. And when we're studying, we should really firmly set our hearts on that, really do it to the best of our abilities and do it well. But the knowledge that we gain, it's just that which comes about through reading, 
it which comes about through listening and studying to book, uh, studying books. But there's also other knowledges that we need to get to know. So, for example, children that all of them need to learn about morality, need to learn about good conduct, also need to learn about their own hearts. Having been born as a human, um, there are many others of us in this world, and this is increasingly so. The world is becoming more and more filled with humans. And when that's the case, there's more and more competition that happens. But when that competition operates within the boundaries of laws, um, then that's okay, it's peaceful. But when it starts spilling outside of those boundaries, then a lot of damage can arise. And why is that? It's because people's greed, hatred, and delusion is increasing. The amount of selfishness um, is increasing. And this makes us separate things out, separate out between us and them. And when there's increasingly the separation, then more and more problems arise. And these problems arise externally and also within our own hearts. So say we have greed for things, and this greed increases, wanting to get something for me, or my family, my company, my group. But when we don't get that thing, then anger comes up, ill will comes up, wanting to harm others. And so there's this greed that arises, but that also becomes a cause and condition for other things, for other unwholesome mind states. Because when we don't get what we want, then anger comes up. And we have to fight with others for it. We have to struggle and compete. And that's because people don't have goodness in their hearts. They don't have mindfulness. And sati, this mindfulness, is the quality which stops the flood and the stream of the kilesas within our hearts. So we need to practice in order to cultivate this quality of sati, of mindfulness. And then we mindfully contemplate and see that separation from the things we like and love is normal for me. And that I am not free from old age, sickness and death. These two are things that are normal for me. And when we contemplate this constantly, and then we come to contemplate into the nature of our own lives, where did this life come from? That I've been born into this life, but where did that come from? Where did I come from? And so if we're going to follow the kind of the principles um, of this world, the things that we've been taught, we say that we were born from a mother and a father. Within Buddhism, we're taught about past lives. And so there's this life, but where did this life come from? We don't know. We've been born into this life, and then it will finish. And when we die, where do we go? So we believe that we really do have a past life, and there is a next life as well. And we have belief in this way, in past lives and future lives. But despite that belief, we still don't know where we're going to go after we die. We see that we've built a home in this world, a home for our bodies to reside in. But when the body dies, where will the mind build a new home? We don't know that. 
If the body dies and the mind still has clinging within it, then it will have to find a new place to go. And if there's no goodness within the heart, it will find a place of suffering, of pain, a place where it's ill at ease. So what should we do then? We should try to imbue the heart with as much goodness as we can, try to abandon greed, hatred and delusion, try to abandon the sense of self, this clinging to me and other. And we also give, we're generous, we donate some of the wealth that we gain, we make this kind of merit. So we study and then we work and we gain wealth. And we get this through a lot of difficulty and ardour. But when we give that up, when we sacrifice it, then we feel a great sense of ease and lightness and brightness both within the body and the mind. That when we're generous, then happiness appears within the heart. And this is what results from the generosity that we do. When we see people who are going through hard times, then we help them out. Or perhaps we have knowledge that we've gained and we give other people that knowledge. And this too is a kind of generosity. It's not that we only give material things. And so there's the knowledge that we give. This is wutiya, dana. Or there's also the energy that we can give to people through helping people out, that this is a kind of dana as well. And all of these things are sacrificing. This is chaga sacrificing, not being selfish. And when we act in this way, then happiness arises. And all of these things, they bring joy and happiness into the heart. These are all a source of goodness. So as we carry on doing these things, then the results gather together within the mind and peace arises. So for myself, I had one great teacher, a teacher really worthy of respect, and he ordained at an old age. When he was 55 years old, he made a lot of merit with many different great teachers of that era, Lumpu Kao, Lumpu Fan, Lumpu Gongma, and many other Krubhajans. And so when he made this merit, he felt this great sense of inner ease, but he hadn't studied very much um, as a layperson. So his teacher just told him to recite this word Buddha, just that is enough. And as he did that, then his heart felt this great sense of inner peace. Then when he went on pilgrimage to India, to the holy sites there, he saw the Buddha along with him by the entire journey, that the Buddha was floating there alongside him. And the Buddha followed him all the way back to Thailand. And throughout the entire journey, there was so much ease within his heart. There was this great sense of joy, of rapture, of happiness that came up. So when he came back to Thailand, then he ordained as a meditation monk. Ordained at Wat Tham Klongpen, which is the monastery of Lumpukau. So he stayed at that monastery with his teacher for four or five years. And while he was there, he experienced this inner peace and joy and fullness of heart, this uh, joy within the Dhamma. So if people are generous, then that's the result that it gives them. 
they feel this great faith and they feel this great happiness from the goodness that's there within their hearts. And so this is the results that we gain from sacrificing, from being generous, that we give this external wealth and we also come to seek out the Dhamma as well. We try to find knowledge within the Dhamma so we can awaken to the Dhamma within our own hearts. And this is something that we need to uh, really set our hearts on. And so this is what my teacher is a lay person, uh, what he did, and he's a very good example for us, um, that he was over 50 years old, but he still had this great intention, sincerity in the practice. And so it's possible for us to gain knowledge of the Dhamma, to attain to the Dhamma. And we should, when the mind is peaceful, then we can put an end to the defilements. And that's what he did. So for us, we should reflect upon this. And we should contemplate. Contemplate this life. Where did this life come from? And where is it going to? And we just don't know. That we've been born, and once we've been born, we need to die. And what then should we do? And so we need to try to set our intentions on studying um, this path of practice and really putting it into practice. Uh, Because having been born, we've all been born as humans, both in our bodies and also in our minds as well. And we've met with the teachings of the Buddha And so it's not the case that just being born as a person um, and being in this country, that we've met with Buddhism, that that's not right yet. Uh, Because there are many people who have this respect for Buddhism, but they don't really know what Buddhism is like. They don't really know what the Buddha taught. They haven't really gone into monasteries, they don't offer food on alms round, but they still have this respect. And so being born as humans and having a respect for Buddhism, that doesn't yet mean that we've met with Buddhism. And one example um, that I could give is during the time of the Buddha, and there was one monk who was traveling to see the Buddha, and the Buddha happened to stay this, uh, the night in the same place that he was staying. And so he talked to the Buddha throughout the night, but he didn't know that who he was talking to was the Buddha. And then afterwards, he went off to travel to meet the Buddha. So even though he was in the same place, he hadn't really met the Buddha. And so for us, we've been born here in this country, and many people are born, but they haven't yet met with Buddhism. But it's when we truly get born as a human that we see the drawbacks, the dangers in Sangsara, the cycle of birth and death, just see how frantic and chaotic it is and see how we don't want to experience old age, sickness, and death, but we have to experience these things. And when we meet with things that we don't want, then suffering arises within our hearts. That we don't want pain, we don't want sickness. But when we get these things, but we don't contemplate or reflect upon them, we don't really know what they're about, will we suffer due to them? We will suffer. So therefore we always need to be contemplating. Always need to be trying to find out about Buddhism, about what the Buddha taught, 
to be contemplating this constantly, and that's how the Buddha instructed his monks, to be contemplating every day. Old age is normal for me. Sickness is normal for me. Death is something that's normal for me. Separation from the things that I like and I love, these are normal things for me. So we contemplate into this continuously, into the Dharma, to relieve the negligence or heedlessness that may be there. We also contemplate that into karma, that the good karma or the bad karma that I do, that this will follow me and it will give me results. When that's the case, we need to try to just be making good karma and to be abandoning all bad karma, because the results of the bad karma is suffering for us. So we should always be contemplating that I'm the owner of my kama, heir to my kama, born of my kama, related to my kama, abide supported by my kama. Whatever kama I do, for good or for ill of that, I will be the heir. So we just try to create good kama then. And then when the body dies, we'll go to a good place. And in the present moment, we'll also be in a good place, a place of happiness. So the good karma that we create, um, we do this through our body, speech, and mind. And these are skillful acts that we do. So there's the skillfulness in the beginning that we cultivate, and this is that of sila. Um, Keeping the five precepts of not harming the lives of humans or of animals, of not stealing, not engaging in sexual misconduct, not lying, and not taking alcohol or intoxicants. And we try to do this, um, because if we slip up on these precepts, if we don't keep them, then it will become the cause for suffering to arise within us. So we keep these precepts through a heart of kindness, of compassion, of sympathetic joy, and of equanimity. And we constantly cultivate this good karma. As children, you should study well and listen Listen to our parents, listen to the Krubhajans, um, listen to our teachers. And uh, so when we study, then we study with respect for those who are teaching us. And we, uh, we listen to our mothers and our fathers, because our parents, they're the arahants in the household for their children. And they give us such benefits, such great goodness. So it's really important uh, for children to kind of listen to their parents first. And also to know how to use their time well, how to kind of structure their day and separate time out between uh, different things. And so there's time to study and also time to play. And these things need to be in balance. They need to be just right. And uh, so we put effort into our studies. And we don't get drunk on games, on computer games. And these are things that we need to do, things that we need to put into practice, because this brings us benefit. So we use some of the time of our day to practice as well, to meditate to bring up skillfulness within the mind itself. Um, And this is a very skillful thing to do. So there's this first aspect of uh, abandoning um, unskillful 
deeds or bad deeds. Um, Sabapapasa akaranang. And so the Buddha taught us to abandon this bad kama, anything which isn't good, we give that up. And so stinginess, selfishness, that we give these things up, we try not to do them, not to follow them. That there's attachment to me and to mine. And if we're obsessed with this, if we do everything just for the sake of me, um, then we can bring a lot of harm to other people. And this is very unskillful, and it's something that we should really try to abandon. And we should also try to bring up goodness as well. So having been born, we study, and then we go to work, and we find and gain wealth. But the Buddha taught us um, to know how to use that wealth well, in a way that gives us benefit, that we don't use that wealth to get ourselves drunk. We don't use it in a way that makes the body sick. We don't use it in a way that is wasteful, that we don't do these things. Because if we do them, then this is the path to deprivation. But if we follow the teachings of the Buddha, this is the path that takes us out of these deprived states, out of the states of woe. And so we should practice practice to abandon these unskillful things. And then we get on to the stage of kusala supasampada and bringing skillfulness to completion. And so what are skillful things? Being generous, this is skillful. Being moral, this is skillful. Skillfulness through the actions of our body and speech. So how is it possible then for the mind to be skillful? And we see that the mind, it thinks so much. We don't want it to think, and especially we don't want it to be thinking about bad things. But still, it goes and thinks these things all the same. And it's just natural, normal for the mind to be like that. It thinks greedy thoughts, it thinks hateful thoughts, it thinks deluded thoughts, and it just carries on. Sometimes it's possible for it to think about harming people. Sometimes it may even want to murder people if we don't like them. And if we like people or things, then it proliferates in terms of that, in terms of things that we like. And so it has all these thoughts and just carries on thinking. And even though it thinks in this way, we don't follow it, we don't act upon that, and that is sila, having the sense of restraint, of control. But it's not possible for us to just control our minds in that way so they don't have any of these thoughts. We're not able to do that. We just see, we observe, that these things, they arise, they stay for a bit, and they cease, and we don't cling on to them. And we try to bring up skillful states as much as possible. Bring the mind to skillful objects, buddho, dhammo, sango, for for example, or watch the breath and do that a lot. Because the more we want for the mind to not be thinking about bad things, the more it's going to think bad things. So Lumpucha, he said that it's like eating a fish. And when we eat the fish, then there are the bones of that fish. But we don't consume those, we just toss them aside. And so the thoughts that are no good, it's the same. We don't use them, we don't put them into practice. The thoughts that are beneficial, then those are the things that we follow. And so as we do this, then we bring skillfulness to completion. 
And when we reach that, we sit in meditation. And this really makes skillfulness whole and complete. Because in the beginning it's just through the level of the body and the speech, but it's not yet gone to the mind. And what we need is a mind that's in a peaceful place. And when it's peaceful, then we can contemplate into the body and get to know the body, get to know the breath, the breath as it comes and goes. And we can be reciting Bud on the in-breath, Do on the out-breath, so the mind comes to peace. But before it reaches the state of peace, it's possible for there to be many doubts. Be doubting, what should I do? How should I meditate? Should I use a super uh, kamatana, this contemplation of the unattractive nature of the body? Should I use Buddha, Dhammo, Sangha? Do I contemplate death? That there are many different objects and which one should I use? But we should think about it like this. That there's different kinds of food that we eat and some types of food we really like. And so we eat those. And so the meditation objects are the same. Whatever object that we use and it brings the mind easily to peace, then we just carry on doing that. When the mind reaches the stage of peace, then joy, fullness, happiness arises within it and it becomes settled and still. And here at this point, it's ekakata jitta with ekakata aramana, that the mind becomes one, centered on one object. And real peace arises here. And in that state, then, we should take this peaceful mind to contemplate the body and Lumpucha taught in this way, that when the mind is peaceful and gathered together into samadhi, then he had us contemplate the nature of this conditioned body and see how it's something that arises, stays for a while and then ceases, see how it's something that needs to deteriorate, needs to come to an end. And we develop this wisdom of insight in this way. Initially, however, wisdom comes from listening and comes from thinking. And that's the kind of wisdom that we gain from this world, that we read things and then we commit them to memory. But there's also a deeper kind of wisdom than that, that which comes from contemplation. So these initial kind of wisdoms, we use them within the world, in worldly ways. But we also need to gain a deeper kind, that which comes from meditation. So bhavana, meditation, what that really is, is cultivation. It's cultivating this mind. The mind that was once scattered and thinking a lot, we bring that into peace, into samadhi, so that it becomes firmly established. And when the mind has gained that state of samadhi, then we should look into the nature of physical and mental things to see what they're like to see how all things are just conventions. The things of this world, there's no real name to them. Um, That all the names that we give them, these are just conventional names, things that we suppose into being. And they all have arising, persisting, and ceasing as their nature. They're constantly going through this process. And so we see the world in this way because its reality is always like that. The state of all the conditions of this world, they're always deteriorating, they're always finishing. And they already have that nature to them. They're ready of the nature to arise, stay for a bit, and cease all the material and mental things. But it's just when the mind is lacking peace that it doesn't view things in this light. 
the mind that is unpeaceful, that has greed, hatred, and delusion constantly covering over it. So it just doesn't see. It doesn't see the truth. All it sees is self. All it sees is me and mine. It sees constancy, permanence. It sees happiness. It sees goodness and beauty. But the reality is the opposite of these things. So when we see things in this deluded way, then it's the cause for suffering to arise. Because the defilements are covering over the heart, constantly making the heart dark, gloomy. So through the Buddha's kindness, he taught that it's not that way. That all physical and mental things, these are unstable, changing. He taught us to practice meditation in order to cultivate samadhi, so the mind gathers together. And this here is something that's very skillful. From the state of samadhi, then we contemplate into the nature of physical and mental phenomena, seeing how they do change constantly, how they're stressful, how they're not self. And this leads us to the level of uh, satchitta pariyotapanang, that's making the mind pure and bright. So when we see into the nature of anicca, dukkha, anatta one time, then the mind becomes bright one time. And when we see this very frequently, then the mind frequently becomes bright and it becomes brighter and brighter. And so we're able to put down all of these defilements. And light arises, darkness disappears. And this happens through this path of sila, samadhi and panya, uh, through virtue, collectedness and wisdom. So this initial stage of sapa, papasa, akaranang, um, that is sila, not doing any harmful things, that is sila. So for us all, we're sitting here meditating, and we're not doing anything bad, and this is sila. Whether we're children, whether we're adults, we're all keeping our sila well right now. And we're all cultivating uh, kusala, supasampada, that we're making the mind skillful, And we're bringing this to a state of completion, which means that we're bringing the mind into a peaceful state. We already have peace through our body and speech, and so we're developing peace within our minds as well, which works to suppress greed, hatred, and delusion. And when these defilements are suppressed already, then skillfulness can arise in a full and completed state. And this right here is Dhamma, And all the things that we're able to see, all the things that we do see, we see them in terms of Dhamma. We bring them back within ourselves. We see an old person, we bring them back into ourselves, that I too need to get old. We see someone sick, and we reflect upon that, I too need to get ill. We see or hear of someone who has died, and we reflect that I too need to die. And so we reflect upon all of these things, and Dhamma is always arising. We see things in this light, old age, sickness and death, we bring that back within ourselves and the mind becomes weary and it loses its lust towards this world. It loses its lust towards forms, towards sounds, towards odors and tastes and tactile sensations and then it really tries to find this path out of the cycle of birth and death. Just like the Bodhisattva, Prince Siddhartha, that he saw the danger, the harm in old age and sickness and death, and that's what inspired him to seek out Nibbana. And when he found that, then he taught us. 
He taught us this path of practice, bringing the mind to peace, bringing it to skillfulness, bringing it to a state of samadhi, and then contemplating so that wisdom arises and the mind becomes pure. And here is where we will see the Dhamma, attain to the Dhamma, and get to really know the Dhamma. So at the very least, in this life, what we should do is practice a lot so that we cultivate these minds and so that we can bring about wisdom within the heart. And if we don't get relieved from all suffering, if we're not able to overcome all suffering, at least we'll be able to significantly reduce the suffering that we experience. Because if we don't study this kind of knowledge, then even though we may have many, many things externally, really we can have everything that we can want, but still the mind is not freed from suffering. And even though we have all these things, we'll have to be separated from all of them as well. And so they can become a cause for suffering. And so we should always be contemplating into the nature of deterioration, the nature of Sankara's conditioned phenomena to end, to finish how old age, sickness and death are things that are normal for us. Because karma is something that belongs to us. As you contemplate this, our karma belongs to us, it follows us. We have to be separated from all the things that we like and love. And so we should respond to this by abandoning all harmful acts, by bringing skillfulness to completion and making the mind bright and pure. Because we don't know, after this life, where will we go to. But we've had this good fortune to meet with the teachings of the Buddha within this life. We've been more born, we've met with the Buddha-sasana. We've met with this already. We've seen suffering already. And we know what the cause of suffering is. We've heard about the path that leads us out of suffering, and that there is a state that is freed from that suffering. And we know this already. And when we really know this, that means that we've actually met with Buddhism. And when we've actually met with Buddhism, then we should sincerely practice. And when we sincerely practice, then we'll see the Buddha. The Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha will arise for us. So all of us should really firmly set ourselves on this, on studying, on contemplating the science of Buddhism. And so that we can gain an understanding into it. So that our suffering reduces until in the end we meet with the end of all suffering.